Well, tonight is something interesting, and I just want to get up front with you and tell you exactly what the goal is tonight. Tonight, I am going to attempt to start to disprove the Calvinistic idea of total depravity of man. There's five points of Calvinism. I'm not going to name them all for you, but the first one is total depravity of man. And tonight, from Romans chapter 1, I want to take some time and walk through how that is an incorrect Bible doctrine. So, the Calvinistic doctrine of the total depravity of man states this. Apart from the grace of God, there is no delight in the holiness of God. There is no glad submission to the sovereign authority of God. It further states that man, man's inability to submit to God and to do good is total and complete. So basically, man is incapable in their flesh of submitting to God. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you would so that actually sounds pretty good. Anybody? Okay, we got one person who's brave enough to raise their hand. Okay, here's the reality. We must understand that there is some truth to this. There absolutely is. By the way, this is often how things work. There is a portion of truth, and it often is just taken too far. Aside from the grace of God, let's be honest, we are nothing. Let me say that again. Aside from the grace of God, we are nothing. We're just sinners saved by grace. We have this wonderful opportunity of grace and mercy, and so we are truly nothing. We are wicked. We are sinful. In fact, the Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we cannot make it to God on our own. We come short. We are sinners. We all fail. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I want to begin reading Romans chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse 17. The Bible says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This may not mean anything to you, but hopefully tonight, by the end of this, we will understand, hopefully, what God is trying to say through his servant and his apostle, Paul. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So the reality is in our natural state, we are sin-filled beings. If you would take a moment and turn over to Romans chapter 3 with me. By the way, I could spend the entire time in this chapter. So if you're in the habit of studying things outside of Sunday evening, please go ahead and look through Romans chapter 3 and how depraved man is. Here's verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles, watch, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Do you see that? There is no one that understands. There is no one that seeks after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now, how many of you are excited by these verses? How many of this gets the blood boiling and you're excited about what God is doing? Listen, no, this, this depresses us. We can't do anything in and of ourselves. We are completely and utterly wicked. We are sinful. We don't seek after God. We don't understand. We are altogether unprofitable. And already, maybe you're thinking, well, man is totally depraved. Man is totally completely and utterly wicked. Well, here's the reality. Man is extremely wicked. We had a conversation just before our small group started about the wickedness of, of, of worshiping Satan. And there are some crazy things out there that man has gotten themselves into, the wickedness of man. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, if you want to turn over there with me, Paul declares his own wickedness. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. Paul declares his own wickedness. In fact, he says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So, in me, in my flesh, there is no good thing. There is nothing completely, utterly wicked. Now, Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. The Bible says this, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh, watch, can not please God. How many of you think I'm doing a good job of disproving the total depravity of man? I'm doing a terrible job. The reality is man is depraved, man is wicked. In, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul, uh, Paul says this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Completely and utterly dead. We are of no good. We are no use. We are dead. So I hope it's becoming increasingly clear that in our flesh, we are no good. We are dead in our sins. We cannot do anything good on our own. In fact, anything good that we try to do is filthy rags in God's sight. 
Isaiah 64, 6 says this, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Just anything good we do try to do, it's filthy rags. So again, we have all come short of the glory of God. We are all, let's be honest, depraved. We cannot do anything spiritually in and of ourselves. But here's the main problem. Again, I repeat, the total depravity of man, the Calvinistic doctrine of the total depravity of man states this, that man is incapable of submitting to God. Incapable of submitting to God. Incapable. In, I'm going to say this again, incapable of submitting to God. I want you to understand that, first of all, this goes against the entire Bible. This goes against the entire Bible. You ask, how does this go against the entire Bible? This is how it goes against the entire Bible. It eliminates choice. When we are incapable of submitting to God, we have just eliminated choice. I can't do it, so why am I even trying? I have just eliminated choice. The total depravity of man eliminates choice. Man is completely and naturally against God. Our flesh draws us to continue to choose unrighteousness. I want you to understand that this morning, this evening. We are naturally and completely against God. It is in our nature. We are enemies of God, and our flesh continues to help us draw and choose unrighteousness. Listen, my flesh wants to do what my flesh wants to do. If I want to look at something that I have no business looking at, guess what? My flesh wants to do that. It wants to. If, if I want to think about something that I have no business thinking about, my flesh wants to do that. And hear me, if I give in to that righteousness, unrighteousness and I choose that unrighteousness, that will continually lead me into more unrighteousness. It will become easier to choose unrighteousness. We're searing our conscience, searing the Holy Spirit. But hear me, we still have the opportunity to choose righteousness. Listen, I can fail. I can look at that thing that I'm not supposed to look at. But I still, the next step, get to make another choice. I'm always presented with choice. Always presented with choice. Here's the deal. Adam chose. Adam chose. Listen to this verse, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. 
Did you hear the Bible say that she grabbed that fruit and shoved it into his mouth? Did you hear that Satan grabbed a hold of her and like an anaconda or a python wrapped around her and started shoving that fruit down her throat? Not at all. She took of the fruit. And Adam ate of it as well. She offered it to him and he chose. Adam was in the transgression, the Bible says. Here's another person that chose. Noah chose. Noah was not forced to build an ark. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Scared, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Listen, you can read Genesis chapter 6. And nowhere in there will you see that Noah was forced to do anything. God commanded him to do something, but he chose to obey. Abraham chose. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where, which he should after receive for an inheritance, listen, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, Abraham in verse 17, when he was tried, offered, offered of Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. He offered, he chose. Moses chose. Hebrews 11 verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming, esteeming, that's a choice, the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Chose. Moses chose. You know that Jesus chose Jesus chose Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 to 8 who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a serpent and was a servant excuse me and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus had a choice to make. Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He made a choice. If you're, you can also look up Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as to Jesus choosing. Likewise, here in Romans chapter 1, I want you to understand all we see in this passage is choice choice. In fact, look again with me in verse 17 and 18. The Bible says this, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Watch this. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who Hold the truth in unrighteousness. 
We can continue. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. I want you to understand this morning, biblically and according to God, we have a choice. We have a choice. Righteousness breeds righteousness. Righteousness breeds righteousness, but listen, unrighteousness breeds unrighteousness. Because of Adam, because of the sin of Adam, death passed upon all men. Sin passed upon all men. Unrighteousness passed upon all men. So listen, we are all born in unrighteousness. We are all born in unrighteousness. Thank you so much, Adam and Eve. I appreciate your contribution to human society that we would all be born into unrighteousness. So listen, our natural man is the enemy of God. Our natural man is entered into a family that is against God. But that doesn't mean we can't choose to be in his family. You say, you still haven't really convinced me. Well, let's continue on through this passage. Look at the choices that are made in Romans chapter 1. Look with me in verse 23. Verse 23. And changed. They did the changing. These people, because that when they knew not God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There was this progression of unrighteousness. What they began to do is they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. So they knew God. They knew of God. God had inputted, manifest himself in them. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. They took the glory of the uncorruptible God and they began making things that were corruptible. They started making images of corruptible man. They started making images of birds and of four-footed beasts and all kinds of different things, and they were bowing down to those things. They changed. They chose. Look at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. Remember we talked about two weeks ago? In order to be a liar, you have to know what the truth is. They changed the truth of God into a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. A choice. They are choosing. Look at verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. All choices. They are choosing unrighteousness. No, no doubt. Understand, they are naturally bent toward unrighteousness. They are naturally leaning that way. It is easy for them to go that way because it's natural to them. Verse 27, And likewise also the men leaving the natural 
use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Choices. I want you to understand that, yes, though we may lean to unrighteousness, we choose unrighteousness. Let me just get you to think. Are there moral, unsaved people? Yeah, absolutely. There are moral, upright people. They're still in unrighteousness. Why? Because they're born that way. Right? We, we, don't, we like to shy away from that term. They're born that way. But the reality is they are. They're born in unrighteousness. So let me ask you, if man is totally depraved, totally and completely, how in the world can there be some that are off the deep end and some that are in the middle and some that have chosen Christ? Listen, they're all choices. Even though you choose all kinds of good things, but you're still in unrighteousness, that doesn't get you to heaven, that you cannot work your way to heaven. But I want you to understand choice. Choice. I am choosing unrighteousness. Listen, but for the grace of God, I am what I am today. I could have chosen a whole lot of different things. I can think of many choices that I had in my life as a teenager that could have landed me up somewhere far different. Listen, I was able to choose righteousness. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So God has, again, shown himself to us. If, if you haven't gotten that yet, let's go back to verse 19 because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, who is in them, the verse ahead, unrighteousness. It is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto him. Eat for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Yes, naturally we are unrighteous, but we can see it is manifest in every single one of us the things of God. It is manifest. It, so that we are without excuse. The Calvinistic doctrine of total depravity of man uses Romans chapter 14 and verse 23 very often. Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. Romans 14 and verse 23, the Bible says this, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Here it is. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Does anybody disagree with that verse? Well, I can't disagree with the Bible, Pastor Yeomans. Here's the reality. We don't disagree with that verse. Whatsoever is not of faith is 
of sin. So here's the deal. The flesh does not live by faith. The flesh does not live by faith. You'll remember from Romans chapter 1, only the just live by faith. So I'm again, this is the doctrine of the total depravity of man. So in looking at that, yeah, the just do live by faith. Yeah, whatsoever is not of faith is of sin. And so the flesh does not live by faith. And so there is a wall here that I cannot break through. Only the just can live by faith. Hang on a second. We forget that faith is a choice. Logic with this through me. That was ridiculous. Logic this with me. Okay, think about this. If faith is forced upon you, is it faith? If faith is forced upon you, then it is no longer faith. Faith, listen, faith is the recognition and the acceptance of evidence. Is everybody still with me? Faith is the recognition and the acceptance of evidence. Guess what was manifest in every one of us? The evidence of God. So faith is the recognition and the acceptance of the evidence. By the way, acceptance is a choice. It's the recognition, I see it, and the acceptance of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So though I may not be able to physically see God, though I may not be able to physically see who he is or his glory, listen, it is manifest to me and I get to accept that evidence. And so we stand here, the total depravity of man, telling us that we cannot We cannot, we are incapable of submitting to God. You know what that does? That puts a wall here and says, listen, only the just can live by faith. In this doctrine, what they are saying is God chooses who are the just. Which we will get to. This is called the unconditional election. So listen. You, are, you can be as close as you want, but we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We just can't make it. There's a wall here. And there is no way for us to be just outside of God. That is true. The reality is this, faith is a choice. And so God doesn't reach down and say, okay, you, I'm going to drop you over here now. Faith is the acceptance 
the acknowledgement and the acceptance of the evidence, we have the opportunity to come in. Let's, let's read a famous verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, listen, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a choice. I don't believe in something because it's forced on me. I believe in something because it's a choice that I make. If I'm forced to believe, it's no longer belief. Galatians 3.22. But the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Belief is a choice. Please don't miss this. This point is a critical point. If man cannot choose God, then God must force himself on us. Think about that. If man cannot choose God, then God must force himself on chosen ones. The Calvinistic doctrine supports the idea that God, again, forces himself only on a select few. Listen, this is entirely anti-biblical. The entire Bible is choice. The entire Bible. Listen, does God know who will accept? Absolutely. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. And listen, here's the reality. We cannot wrap our finite minds around Almighty God knowing who's going to choose and still allowing us to choose. It doesn't make any sense to us. We're so finite. But listen to me. The Bible is clear. It is about choice. This is false doctrine. The total depravity of man is false doctrine. God has given all men everywhere a chance to repent and turn to him. And once we turn to him and we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, righteousness is imputed unto us. And we can then continue to choose righteousness. The total depravity of man eliminates choice from man. Yet every person has a choice to choose God. And the entire focus of Calvinistic doctrine is that God chooses. God elects. God tells who can be saved. It's all in God's control. God forces it on us. This is anti-biblical. So for you tonight, if I'm going to leave you with an, an application, it would be this. As I look across the room tonight, and I'm not sure who's online, 
as I look across the room tonight, most of us that I know of have chosen Christ. Accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Now listen to me. Please understand me. You can never lose that salvation. But here's the reality, and we've said this multiple times, righteousness breeds righteousness. It's every, every time it's a choice. But now that you're in a position and that you have been justified, live by faith. Keep choosing righteousness. Keep choosing righteousness. Keep choosing righteousness. And keep choosing righteousness. And keep choosing righteousness. And keep choosing righteousness. I want you to go back to Romans chapter 1. For therein, verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The best, one of the best ways, there are several ways to reveal the glory of God. But one of the best ways is for his children to live righteously. And soberly in this present evil world we would use the term to be a light. Not because of anything that you have done, but because of what God has done in you. And allowing him to be the light shining through you. And allowing him to be everything in your life. Choose righteousness. Next week, we're gonna walk through Verses 19, almost to the end of the chapter. Because 18 tells us, for the wrath of God is revealed. Even God's wrath, even sinful man reveals God to people. And I want to show you that. So I hope, and maybe this just created more questions for you. And I realize this is a very difficult thing to just prove in one sitting. But if anything, I hope this has gotten you thinking. That so, so often we hear things that are, quite honestly, partially true. Quite honestly, we take them in and go, oh yeah, I believe that. Hold on. What does the Bible have to say? What does God's word have to say? And don't allow someone to eliminate choice because God's word, God, is all about choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do. Father, thank you for your word. I, I pray this was clear, that it was helpful. Father, I pray that as we choose to trust you, that we would choose to keep you as the forefront of our mind choose to keep you in your supreme authority in our lives. Father, that your will would be accomplished in our lives. That we would be a light, we would be a beacon, that we would be a righteousness, a direct reflection of your righteousness. And that it would be revealed from faith to faith. Somebody would see your righteousness in 
in us and that they would come to a saving knowledge of you. Father, that we would never get in the way of that. And that then they would show forth the righteousness of God. And that someone else would see that and come to know you. Father, the responsibility is incredible. To whom much is given shall much be required. So I pray tonight as we go forth, we would think about what it is that we're living for, who it is that we're living for, and the mission that we need to accomplish. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.